Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's conversation, we have Dan Gratz. At the time of this recording, Dan was the head coach at Northern Iowa Area Community College and now is the director of player development for Texas softball. If you like the podcast, then you're going to love LPD+. Members of the community get instant access to all of the latest episodes before they release to the public. You can join LPD Plus today. Memberships include a monthly, a yearly, or a lifetime subscription. All come with a free trial. I'll put the link in the show notes below. and Be sure to use the discount code PODCAST to get 10% off all memberships. One of the questions I always got after inventing the Spinner Arm Care Tool was, how do I use this? So I came up with the foundations of throwing online course. This is just a one-hour mini course uh, outlining not only how you can implement the spinner or how we use the spinner on our training floor, but how you can develop a full arm care throwing program uh, to get the most out of the players on your team, the players in your gym. Uh, this is just your get-started guide uh, with throwing programs and arm care. Go check out that course on my website, chadlongworthonline.com. I'll put the link in the description. Uh, we got, we're talking softball today. Uh, Dan and I talked softball to give you the backstory on this round table. Dan and I talked softball, uh, earlier fried my computer. So I didn't get to post it. So we're back again with round two and I'm glad, listen, man, I'm glad that I got you back. Cause after we talked the first time, um, I was like, crap. Cause I don't write notes down. I don't write anything down when I do these things. I just shoot off the cuff and wherever the conversation goes, it goes, whatever. Uh, but what's your energy drink? What's your energy drink of choice? I'm, I'm just, just water, man. I'm straight Simple up. Water? Pretty, no yeah. coffee? Are you no, a coffee I, guy? I'm a milk guy. I grew up in Wisconsin. You know, you drink a lot of milk. So that's, but right now, just water. You have kids. I, I have a daughter. She's, uh, He's still there. There we go. She's, yep. uh, she's about to be a year old next Saturday. So young daughter. I've made it this far without caffeine. <laughs> I, I don't know. People ask me a lot. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's just how I grew up. <laughs> Listen, I was never, I never had coffee. Wasn't an energy drink guy. My daughter, who's getting ready to turn 10, did not sleep when, when she was a baby. Really? So I would always go in this little coffee shop in the morning and get a like shake for breakfast. And I'm like, man, I got to do something because I'm trying to work like 15 hour days here yeah. and I can't, I haven't slept. He's like, man, you should do coffee. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And he tells me this story of this guy about told him a long time ago that if you're going to do coffee, you just start doing it black and then you never change. So like, I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I've been drinking black coffee every day since then. I'm a big white monster guy. You hadn't noticed that on the internet. Like I like white monster, but now I'm doing the, the daily energy drink reviews just for fun. Just for fun. That's not what we're talking about though. going to pull you a sponsorship sooner or later. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. No, I, don't, I don't really know what I'm doing one day, the next anyway, just kind of winging it and seeing what happens. Right. So he, Here's where I want to start so I don't forget. We're talking about softball, and I want to start with talking about softball pitching. Um, you know, the current state of softball pitching and, and how you attacked as a head coach in college uh, your pitchers. What I, want to, what I want to start with is, like, if I decide to play for you and we start in the fall, what is, what is, that, what is that time? Like, how do you 
typically maybe block off or, or periodize pitcher development. You know, it starts in the fall. Take me from the fall to maybe how you get to the season. and Give me the framework. You know, you don't have to give me the big details, but you can give sure. me the framework. Yeah. Yeah. So, like a lot of our hitters, so we'll start our year. We got about three weeks uh, in the fall for practice. Um, and then we start basically a fall season. And JUCO, you know, the calendar for JUCO allows us to do this. So we'll go about 10 ish dates, you know, anywhere from D1 to D3, NAI, you know. Um, and so those six weeks uh, for us, obviously, we recruited these athletes. And so we know what they can do and whatever. Right. But those, those uh, especially with softball pitchers, a lot of times they may not ever get challenged until like those three weeks. Um, and, and so we get to really see like, in those games, how do you do against like, you know, the big 12 or the big 10 or right. whatever. Um, and so we do that because we want to see, you know, uh, mechanical breakdowns. We want to see like, all right, what move, what spin really works, you know, those types of things. Um, and then, so we start, we take a lot of notes, you know, we get as much data and video as we can um, just to really see like, okay, this is what, you know, we're working with for sure. And then we move into basically we'll take a week off and then we'll, we'll work into like a, anywhere from eight to 10 weeks of what we call our fall development period. <clears throat> and so generally in that time frame, so there's a, there's a lot of uh, some of the best pitchers in the world. If you follow myself and our associate head coach, Devin on Twitter, um, we share some of their like um, common movement patterns. Right. Um, and so you know, our driveline did this with baseball pitching, you know, eight to 10 years ago, where they just looked at all the best pitchers and said, okay, there's right. every, a little bit different, but there's some key characteristics, some match that match up with every single one of them. So that's what we did. Right. Over the last and quite year. frankly to you, when I did the velocity build program, just on an experimental basis, like I don't know jack squat about anything softball pitching. Right. I'm just going to go look at Monica Abbott. Right. And like, okay she kind of moves like that then how do we how do we chunk if that's kind of the idealized framework you know everybody's got their own individual nuance feel and style and ideas sure whatever but if like this is how you got to do throw 70 then right what are the chunks of this that we can kind of establish in a in a drill progression that's going to hit the all the lowest hanging fruit right to get players to point of now just individualize your own style now like giving them the freedom to do that yep but again continue on i wanted to make that point about my own experience although For small but i have a very beginner's mindset about everything but it's especially beginner in softball pitching because like, i don't know anything any better like i don't know what the i don't know what the lingo is don't care to know like, i don't need right. to know i don't need to know the lingo there's and there's a ton of value in that because i think um, it's, I think softball pitching coaching has been like a bad game of telephone for the last like 25 years, you yep. know, and it just like, you just lose things in translation as you go. And people are just trying to regurgitate the same type of stuff. And it's gotten a lot of, uh, it's put in my opinion, it's put pitching in a bad place just in terms of a lot of injuries, not a ton of pitchers, you know, and it, it's, it seems like the best ones are just, they've like, uh odyssey alexander for example in the world series like she learned yep. how to 
brick wall, right? She didn't have somebody telling her what to yeah. do. And um, her body just self-aligned itself and, and, you know, kind of the, the, the buzzword right now of self-organization. And so um, there's a lot of value to that. And then, you know, so basically jumping back to us, we, we, those are the things we look at, you know, we look at uh, Abbott, Osterman. Um, we look at, you know, Ueno from, uh, from Japan. We look at just all the best and we want to see. And, and so what we found is the, the, for us, the lowest hanging fruit is kind of the pelvis and engaging that. Um, and for lack of a better term, just kind of opening and closing the pelvis. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, pushback with that stuff. You'll get some pictures that are some sure. pictures just to go pelvis straight forward, never rotate at all. Some right. just to here, then open and never kind of close again. And, and you're just not transitioning force very well, you know, you're, and, and then, you know, the last kind of piece of it is, um, using the big muscle groups and, you know, the glutes, the hams, the, the quads, trying to understand how to use that instead of what you'll see a lot of pitchers, um, will slam up against their front side, um, and use like their bones and joints as the, as the, um, kind of the breaks. And that's not, well, there's, there's a lot of things wrong with that. That's not efficient. It's not healthy. It's, it's, you know, yeah, I was gonna say, it sounds, sounds like it's an injury waiting to happen especially <laughs> right. in, in, in girls that are not maybe as much, have as much muscle structure and can't right. accept as much force in, into those things. And they're always tearing their knees up and they're yep. all that stuff. So yep. for sure, I'm with but, you. Keep going. No, that, and that's, that's basically, you know, we spend that eight to 10 weeks really experimenting and trying to figure out what works for each kid and how to get to those kind of things. And then we, we take, we, we work, we push pretty hard in that, that eight to 10 weeks. We take the four weeks off over holiday break and kids go home. And then we come back, we kind of refresh their brains and their bodies on what we worked on. And then basically we play, you know, eight to 10 weeks of, of games. Right. So that's a year for us. Um, how many, <laughs> this, is a, this is kind of a, a loaded question. How many, how many players you recruit? How many players your friends recruit? How many, players in general softball pitchers do you feel have like established arm care routines because i know i take my daughter to the to the field and she's she's nine and we got bands we got spinners and we got plyo balls and it's 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 like being the last crazy person on the island out there <laughs> i mean it's it's like non-existent i mean it's it's few and far between you see that kind of stuff at a warm-up at a baseball game. Right. But you go to a softball game and it's like you are one step away from the nut house, that guy over there with all those things get his daughter loose for the game. I'm like I mean, we gotta establish healthy throwing habits at some point. Yeah. No, you're I mean, you're talking, you know, less than one tenth of one percent of for sure uh j bands <clears throat> maybe you'll see like kind of the most advanced people you know working with j bands um but really not you know no spinners no uh mar bands no uh weighted balls you know none of that stuff uh weighted balls uh briefly touched into softball but the, it was more of a like um it, it wasn't a warm-up piece or or you know an overload underload piece uh as much as it was just you know, it was just there. We're just going to try something different, which is, Hey, there's value in that, but now yeah. to your point, it's, it's, 
you know, when our players come in, we spend about two weeks teaching just like a warm up, like arm care, arm activation, shoulder capsule activation routine, you know, part of it being your stuff, part of it being um, just various moves that, you know, activate that shoulder capsule. You know, yeah. we always, we, um, we warm up to throw, we don't throw to warm up because you're just going to, I mean, you're going to develop. I love like this move, like the flips, you know, uh, they have that for softball as well. Yep. <laughs> and so we, yep. I, I love when I see people doing that because it, it, it serves absolutely no purpose because that's not what's happening at all in a, in a full throw, but it is what it is. We just, we, we try not to fight too many battles and, and do right. our own thing. If that's, if that's what you need to do, then we can do that amongst these other things. Right. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. No, it's funny because it's funny because my daughter played this year. Um, this is her first like go around of like, I hate the term travel softball because right. travel to the field everywhere. So her, her club experience, right. Just kind of a, a next step up. And I am the dad. I am the dad at the softball games with the radar gun out, but I'm doing it so that I can know like, what does the landscape, like what do the good pitchers, like what are the benchmarks at every level going up so that we know what we can shoot at. Right. And so daughter plays on a team and I kind of established early on, like if we're going to be at all competitive, like our pitchers are going to need to need to be, to be between these velos because this seems to be like what they're the good pitchers out here that are striking people out and getting out right. pitching at. So it was her and another girl. And I said, look, I've been pretty, I've been pretty relaxed with all your all's arms, arm routines. Like, Throughout this whole time, we would pick and choose, just not to overwhelm them with exercises. Like we would pick a couple of J-band exercises, and we would pick maybe one or two spinner exercises, and maybe some reverse throws, and just just kind of walking them into a full routine because they're like nine and ten. Right. Like we're not going to pick twenty-five exercises to get you loose, but let's pick and let's start to learn this. So, but I told her and the other girl, I'm like, look you can't be real relaxed about this anymore. Like we're going to have to ramp this up because if either one of you want to be competitive, you have to throw this hard. Yeah. No, like there's no one out here. That's good. That throws as hard as you all. Like I've watched a ton of games. I've, I've had the radar gun. I've radar all the pitchers of anyone, any game that I can see. And these are kind of the benchmarks to hit. Like if you can't go here, I don't care what your pitch assortment looks like at 10 at 12 at 14, like, and maybe maybe that's different as they establish a baseline of maybe in JUCO or, or D1, like 60, 65, you know, then they start to combine pitches that play off of each other. How do you see that baseline velocity? I mean, what, what advice would you give somebody? Like, what advice would you give somebody, high school coach, youth coach, it's like, you need to throw this hard. You know, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> obviously – more velo is better it allows for you know it allows for you to make more mistakes and uh but at the same time it also increases your um pitch counts because hitters uh won't be able to hit there's a, right. there's a between like six and 60 that hitters can hit anything above or below that is a problem so you know i w i would say what can i ask why do you feel that on the hitting side why do you feel that's a thing um it's 
a lot of things, I think. But I think the biggest thing is how people teach swings. It's very like linear still, you know, so there's there's which, you know, there's value in that. But your timing has to be almost perfect, you know, and so right. there's and then, you know, on top of that, there's the strength issue, like we talked about earlier, you know, uh, can't hold a position very well. So once they start, they just they're just going um, right. You know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. But I think um, I think that, you know, that is it's the lowest hanging fruit teaching, you know, what we would just say, just just jet, like obviously getting stronger is good, but teaching stability and control of your body is is like super easy and super low hanging fruit. And as soon as they figure that out, now you can hit 52 to 62. That's a, you just right. doubled <clears throat> your window. So, uh, but anyways, I mean, that's, that's, I guess my opinion on the hitting side, there's, there's sure. a lot, a lot. I mean, it's a lot, but it's, those sure. are a couple big things. Okay. Back to the pitching. We were talking sure. about the window. Yep. So, you know, I think what I would say is if you can throw 58 to 62, if you have a um, a pitch that can go up or down or both, um, we'll I'll touch on the up thing here in a second. But and then have an off speed pitch, you'll be one of the top two percent in the country um, because you can change planes, you can change speeds, um, and then if you can locate it inside and outside, like you're going to be in a really really good place. Um, <clears throat> the, the down pitch, you know, the most efficient down pitch is a peel drop. You'll see some people trying to teach like turn your wrist over and whatever that gets into a, um, a lot of movement stuff that people just don't have the ability to uh, pronate and supinate um, very often. Um, generally they're better at one. And so, or, or some, some may just not have the mobility at all, you know, wrist and ankle mobility may be terrible. And so if you can teach a peel drop, um, that is a true spin, kind of that 12, six curveball spin heading straight down into, into the ground. Um, you can have an efficient, uh, bullet spin, um, at the very least, it's really hard again yeah. to backspin. If you can throw a bullet spin, it, it'll sit up high in the zone. Um, yeah. that may be not the best way, obviously, but it's the most, uh, it's the easiest way to teach the general athlete. Um, and then, you know, a changeup that can be five to seven, sometimes 10 miles an hour slower, depending on how fast you throw. So, I mean, literally, like, that's it. I mean, it's, and it sounds like, you know, that's crazy, but that's, that's attainable for a lot of people, um, in my opinion. Yeah. You and I, you, I mean, it's touching on probably something you're going to talk about here in a minute, but I'm going to back, I'm going to go back to what you said about the bullet spin. Cause you and I kind of went back and forth one day on Twitter about rise balls don't rise. And I mean, that's what I've seen on my rap Soto. So that's the, what I'm going with. But like on the same note, screwballs don't back up right they're just bullet spin pitches that pitchers typically right-handed pitchers would stride to their left and just try to throw yep. inside and they bullet yep. spin inside and it's just straight like yep. that's what i've seen happens and so you know if you can go with that mentality of like i'm just gonna throw a, a screwball and stay in the right direction instead of striding like way over here and trying to whatever it is you're trying to do to get the ball to, to, to back up. Right. You're just throwing a bullet spin pitch that, that is inside. It's like, I'll, I'll give my observations of a rise ball. It's just kind of like a spinning pitch that's up more than it's rising against gravity. Right. So. Well, and I, I think, 
you know, I, I don't want to, you know, bash Rapsodo too much. I think they've done a ton for the game. But one of the um, negatives of Rapsodo is is you pick, like, you did, you say, hey, I'm going to throw a rise ball here. And so, yep. um, and then you throw it. And so it may not even be, like, it may not even be close. But what, then it just, like, there on their end, they pull all the data in and say, here's all the rise ball data. And here's what it's doing. And that's created this, well, first of all, uh, they have, you know, some, some publications they put out and whatever, and it'll say like, Hey, you're for a rise ball. We want your efficiency between 50 and hundred percent. And you're like, what? Like, that's, that's a little bit of a range, you know? So like, um, but you know, again, I think they've done a ton for the game. I just think that they, it's limited. I think it's making predictive, um, now that it sits out, um, in front, uh, of the, of the plate, what is it? 14 feet, 12 feet. I can't yeah. remember. Um, it's predicting the last 12 to 14 feet of ball flight based on what it saw before. And so I think, you know, it's, I just don't think it's, it's not there yet. And so now, you know, you want to look at, um, you know, softball cloud, you want to look at um, Yacker Tech. Uh, obviously, it'd be great to have a Hawkeye on, on fields, but it's just right now it's not feasible for softball. And if we can start to do that and get more of the Doppler type systems and track the entire ball flight, I think things will change a little bit. Um, perceptions might change, you know, once Have you seen we, anybody that's, I mean, there's, there's gotta be a couple softball programs somewhere that have track man on the field, right? Um, no, not that I'm aware of, uh, really? I have, no, no field. I'm sure there's some, but I don't know everybody's, uh, but I do know Yakker tech is on a few. Um, I know, um, you know, softball cloud and, and, uh, they, they've jumped in on a few teams as well. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's people doing it and looking at this stuff, but you know, for their, they're not going to share the data because why would they, you know, it's, they, they want to have it and be able to, um, kind of use. It. So, um, so anyways, yeah, I mean, there's, I think once we start to get into that stuff, I, I made a comparison a couple of years ago and the softball community wasn't super keen on it. You know, I said, uh, a, a true 12, six, uh, curve, uh, drop ball is like a, uh, 12, six curveball. We're talking like, uh, um, Rich Hill, Barry Zito, you know, diving down type of stuff, Clayton Kershaw, you know, those types of, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't have that much vertical break, but if you have nine to 10 inches, like that's elite. I mean, that's, that's big time. Um, the screwball is, is more like if you, the ones that really get it, it's truly like that, that, um, Trevor Bauer two seamer that backs over the plate, you know, like that's what that is. If you can get the spin, um, you can understand, um, how to get the grip right to, to maximize that spin and, and right. really engage the physics stuff in it. Then you can get that. That's really the ones that do the most, uh, same with curveballs. If you can get it right. Some people have a really good curveball. It'll jump out, you know, five to seven inches. That's a, that's a good curveball. I mean, we're talking like, a um, like a zero, uh, vertical break slider um if you can get that and engage that that's an effective pitch but the rise ball um it just drops less than every other pitch gravity is going to play a part especially with a, a ball that's 4.38 inches uh and and that's what i said yeah. like they, yeah. they just can't throw it hard enough right to produce enough spin to where magnus force becomes a thing yep and and holds it up or even pushes it up you know like yep. a baseball They'll never throw it with twenty two hundred, and they make, you probably need more because the ball weighs more. You probably yep. need more than twenty two hundred RPMs or twenty four 
26, 2800 RPMs, Garrett Cole style, where that thing just rides the line of gravity. Right. Except you can't throw it that hard. Yeah, and I think, you know, the argument that a lot of people have is like, well, yeah, but, it, you know, from the release point, which is at the hip, uh, to the glove, it traveled. Yep. You're correct. It does. Correct. <laughs> but it, if, if it were to ever have an apex and then, you know, it never had an apex, which which is essentially saying right. the ball. So now you're looking at like, okay, where did it peak? What was the, what was the maximum height? And then from there you know, what did it do? And it, if yeah, the max- really the pitch characteristics that matter is what is it doing when it passes the hitter? Right. <clears throat> and the first, the first, whatever feet don't really matter. Like, right. Maybe in recognition, but like, what are the characteristics of the pitch as it's passing the hitter? And I've told people that it's probably going down, albeit not as much as other pitches. Yes. And that's, and, and that's what makes it effective. I mean, that's, I'm, we're not saying the rise ball is not an effective pitch. No, but, but what you'll see is uh, even the best rise ball pitchers in the country, if they can't, if they can't make it a believable pitch early, um, you know, if, if it doesn't pass through, you know, I'll give V-Flex a shout. If it doesn't pass kind of through that, um, that hitting window, whatever you want to call it, that V that's, that's, you know, 12-ish feet away from the plate, it's really not a believable pitch. And so after that, then you're, those are the ones that are crossing over the, over the eyes and, and whatnot. And every now and then you'll get swings and misses, but the ones that are really, really good are the ones that tunnel through there um, and finish, you know, right, basically right on the hands. Uh, it's very difficult to get to that pitch. There are some people um, that can teach that. There's some hitters that can do it. Um, Mike Lotif uh, really believes that that can be done. Mike Lotif, you know, former coach at Louisiana Lafayette, uh, one of the best hitting programs in the country for yep. the entirety of the time he was there. <clears throat> and uh, he now? nowhere yeah he'll he'll likely do some consulting um i mean but he was split grip right all their hitters were split grip that was kind of the original he was the og in a lot of the movement biomechanics stuff you know late 80s early 90s you know and then obviously obviously through the early 2000s um but yeah i mean that that stuff is way ahead of the times and yeah we drill split grip but no one's ever done it in a game yeah well, and, and I think, you know, just DM the man. I mean, that he is full of knowledge. And you'll see him share stuff all the time uh, about hitting and, and rotation and just understanding, you know, what your body's doing and try to maximize your movement, you know. So, I mean, there's there's so many things. There's, you know as well as I do, there's the complexity of hitting can, can oh. take you to rabbit holes. But there there's oh. plenty of low-hanging fruit, especially in softball. Tons tons of low-hanging fruit in softball yeah. tons um you know one of the things people ask me people ask me about so my daughter played my daughter played speaking of this is low-hanging fruit i think at probably all levels but especially for younger players my daughter played her first year of kid pitch this year in the first three or four tournaments just no no idea timing swing decisions no right. no idea i'm like i can't get her enough at bats it'll take forever this will take forever if we rely on at bats bought the oculus put the win reality in it got the softball pitcher in there and just started cranking out i put the control i bought the hitting part and i didn't i don't love the the hitting beta where you actually like hit the ball i don't need that information what information i need is like I just need her to swing at balls. And so what we did, we put the Oculus controller 
on the bat with the bat attachment, put the pitcher in there, just fastballs all over the zone, and we just loaded up and swung at it. Like, it wasn't giving you anybody ball feedback, but I just needed her to, like, figure out, like, this is the ball, this is a strike, this is how you anticipate ball and strike, and this is how you be on time with it. The Oculus was – it was and still is, like, a critical tool that we try to hit, like, every day. Yeah. Is VR something that – I mean – I'm talking way over your head, but like, is VR you're seeing in softball popping up now? Yeah, it's you hard know, to get. Like, it's not like it's not like you see people throwing like the everybody's. You know, it's a natural motion. It's like, no, it's not. You play shortstop, you throw like this. You play outfield, you throw like this. And now all of a sudden, you got to go to the mound and throw like this. And it's mm-hmm. like you just your mind doesn't. It's not the same. Like, it's right. not. You don't get the same visual information. Even playing catch with somebody, you know, even playing catch for a baseball player is beneficial for seeing a ball out of a, out of a hand in, in the same arm action you're going to hit with. Right. And so yep. is VR thought, something that you see in softball? Not, you know, not yet. I think it, I think it'll become a thing. I think there's value in both, you know, VR and AR, you know, augmented reality as well. And just in terms of, uh, you know, getting well, exactly what you said, getting that bass. I think there's, once you get to it's the not high, a perfect solution. No, but it, it's, it's a not. solution. Right. It's, but it it's is a, a solution. Like, yeah. it's not a one. You know, when I tell people, you know, the biggest thing that we've done for my daughter for her pitch recognition, which has improved exponentially, her timing has improved exponentially, is, is the VR. And they're like, what about the mechanics? I'm like, we don't, we don't really even talk about it. Like, right. we just try to, like, build speed. You know, we try to build variability into our swing. We try to build athleticism into our swing. And then it comes to timing and swing decisions. Like if we can have good timing and make good swing decisions, that was what I was going to go with, go to when you said that, that window is yeah. like how much of it is they lack just experience. Basically what the strength part, you're 100% correct. If you want, you probably don't watch my bat review videos, but my timing stinks. It's awful. Because I fell off a ladder in November. My trail leg is like atrophied and like it's smaller. So the muscle in my trail leg is, is not as good. And so I can't, I can't like hold myself, my center of mass and control my center of mass with my trail leg because it's just not strong enough to do since I hurt myself. I can still hit, but my timing is trash. Like it's so right. bad because I just, I'm just picking my foot up and like basically falling at it because I can't, my leg is no good. And like, I don't have, I don't have the devoted time being a grown up to like make my trail leg strong again. So I just hit like, it doesn't matter, but like, that's why my timing in a lot of ways is so bad. You know, a lot of players, they just kind of default into timing. And so like, I don't know if you've seen, I started throwing my daughter like multiple because I don't know much. I would be the first to tell you, but I do know the body that you don't, the body, the mind doesn't learn in a vacuum. Right. It's like, it's like putting, right. You might read the speed in the break of the first putt, maybe the second putt, but if you stand there for seven putts, your brain is no longer processing the speed in the break. You're just kind of mindlessly knocking the ball towards the hole. I feel like BP is the same way. Like you might time the first five, but after that, you're just mindlessly going about it. So I started throwing my daughter 
like multiple distance. Like I just kind of walk around behind the L screen at like different distances and like just throw the ball to her different right. distance every time because while it's again, while it's not a perfect solution, it's not in a vacuum to where she where I think she's like processing, albeit consciously, subconsciously, ball flight, time and space, swing time, and she's combining all these factors to to hopefully hit the ball in the barrel. Again, when it matters in the game. You know, yeah. when it matters in the game. <clears throat> I was just trying to challenge her timing. Like For sure. because again, we weren't timing balls very good and we weren't recognizing balls and strikes very good. And so there's another, there's a whole other layer of that. You, now she's going to have to go in there and we're going to have to start combining pitches. Um, yep. So, but, it, but again, lowest hanging fruit right now is for her at nine and 10 and even at U12 is <clears throat> just going to be understanding timing. And, um, and then, you know, if you have that, you can, that completely changes how you can train, you know, movement and, and, you know, all that different stuff, you know, you've got a great foundation. to build. So <clears throat> I think you're right. I mean, I think it's, I think uh, a lot of people kind of train backwards. I think they start on tees and then right. you know, they move to front toss and then move to live pitching or machine work. I think it, honestly, I think it should be opposite. Yeah. The right. success for sure. Super high, but if you can like reward the, the, you know, the timing and squaring up a ball and those types of things. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I mean, it's, it's a different conversation, but I think we're just training. Nine, different. My son is seven. We've never hit a ball off the tee. Right. And I tell people all the time, if you can kill two birds with one stone, you should. Like, yeah. why would you not kill two birds with one stone? If you can add some sort of timing recognition element to it, even at slow speed, even at front toss, people yell at me on, Twitter, it's like you got to hit off the tee, and it's like, well, front toss not that hard. It's not like we're no. running in here and cranking the machine on, right? You know, at high velocities right out of the gate. Like we're we're starting in front toss, and we're trying to get the ball flight, the vertical break of the ball flight, to be somewhat, you know, representative of what they might see eventually in a game. Yeah, and go from there. You know, it's yeah, always it's for me we'll go to the end result and work and back up like. Yep. Don't don't start at the bottom, which people see as the T. Like we're not doing I'm not even sure you're killing any birds with the T. Much less two birds with one stone. I, I don't think there's a one-to-one -one bird to stone ratio off the T. Again, I talked to Rusty Kellum about this last week. It's just a time thing. It's just a time management thing. It's like if I'm work doing X, then I'm not doing Y. And yeah. let's say I spend 30 minutes a week on the T or 30 minutes a day on the T seven days a week, I have spent 210 minutes on the T. If I extrapolate that over a year, you know, that's an enormous amount of time on the T that what if somebody didn't spend any time on the T? Are you really going to gain ground on them from a recognition, adaptability, timing space? Cause you, I mean, you did this, they did this. The time right. spent connecting to the game is far greater on this player than you who spent 30 minutes every day on the tee. Yep. Just time. It's just time. I, I told Rusty this. And Tim Ferriss's book, I don't know if you've read. I read the four, I read the first 150 pages of The 4-Hour Chef where he Tim Ferriss teaches himself how to, how to cook. Sure. 
you know, and he says a lot of the highest achievers had the luxury of time. You know, they have unlimited time. Like big leaguers have unlimited time to devote right. to the craft of hitting. <clears throat> so if they want to spend 30 minutes on the tee, they have unlimited time. Most of you all don't. Right. Most. And so how you spend your time, again, you've said it over and over again on the lowest hanging fruit in softball, just it's, it's everywhere. And it's like we're still we're still kind of hanging on to these. Again, what you said, telephone, this big game of telephone. We're just regurgitating this big game of telephone instead of like the dread, the lowest hanging fruit. And again, starting at the end goal, I want to throw the ball hard or I want to hit the ball hard, you know, from a variety of places. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I know you're a first principles person, kind of like I am. And it's like, it's like, let's get down to the, the nitty gritty here and figure it out. And so what's um, going to help me be good. Right. Like what do good but players I, do and what's going to help me do that? Yeah. I'm a big Rob Gray fan. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to yep. his podcast, but his stuff, yep. he's got, I mean, ecological dynamics and <clears throat> constraint led approach and everything like that. And yep. then just generally what I know about very little about strength and strength and conditioning or the body and, and, you know, how it works, but there's only training economy is a big thing. You know, we yep. <clears throat> make it a point to stay under, even though JUCO allows 20 hour weeks, we stay under eight, uh, our entire training time um, until basically we get back in season because we just think that's a lot of, I mean, 20 hours a week of training, it sounds crazy, but if I can get the, the same amount of reps and the same amount of time uh, in, I'm sorry, if I can get the same amount of reps in half the time, I mean, let's, let's make it happen. Your body, time. Right. Your body's going to be healthier. Your brain's going to stay more engaged. There's, there's so many things to it, but in 20 hour weeks, does, does strength conditioning weightlifting factor into that? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's so, what I'm saying. Like, you can devote plenty of time to on-field skills, right? If you just eliminate just nonsense. Again, 30 minutes of T-work. Again, like right. running poles. I don't know if poles is a thing in softball. Maybe it is, but like baseball, it's like let's, we don't need to do that. Yeah. No, we're we're <clears throat> so we have three hours of strength and strength and conditioning. We have five hours of softball. Um, and then if we have any, like, we don't include our mental prep time in that, but, you know, eight hours of physical week, uh, physical work a week. Um, I, I just, I think the concept of having a team practice all the time has really created some issues. Um, oh, obviously, you're in the private sector. Know it's at the youth level. Right. And so I you just have, I'm glad when my kids don't practice. Right. We hate, we hate dead time. And it, it, it's necessary at times, you know, especially with team defense work. Um, for sure yeah but that's about but it for hitting uh for defensive work for pitching if we can do small group stuff and you know have you know four or five kids kind of working through their individual plans and knocking things out um it leads it puts us in a really good place and so we were we were doing that a couple of years ago covid forced people to do that this year so i'm interested to for see sure. if people will continue that because they found how efficient they could be or if they'll just jump right back to the team practice because you know, they just, they don't know how to structure. Um, they just want one template for everybody. I'll be interested to see what happens. Yeah, I get that. I mean, it's, again, if people just want this one-to-one -one answer, you know, of if I do X, then I'll get Y. It's like, I mean, you don't understand the amount of time that you have to log. And it, yeah. and it needs to be time that you spend, you know, I tell my daughter, I'm going to use the Oculus as an example, but like, I don't care if you do 25 pitches today. I don't care if you do 
40 pitches today. I don't care if you do 100 pitches today. Don't get yourself to a spot where we can't do it tomorrow. Right. We can't repeat that the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. You know, we don't need yeah. to take, we don't need to stand here and take 300 swings because we're not going to hit again for another five, seven days. Like, let's yeah. take 25 to 50 for her and let's hit tomorrow. Like, we'll come yeah. back and we're trying to build that. And that's the thing that people don't understand. It's like, we got to build this body of work. I said that on Twitter the other day, myelin, there's no hack for myelin production. It only comes like with the body of work and the experience of work. Like you can't, and yeah. I tell people like, don't work so hard today that you burn out. Like when we yeah. introduce weight training to our adolescent players, it's like, you've got three exercises in your workout today. That is it. Yeah. But I want to do seven. It's like, yeah, you could probably do seven, but if you do 10 and 12 and 15, what happens when you burn out in, in four weeks? Right. Because we've got to do this for the next six to eight to 12 months. Right. Of consistent time. So take small bites and, and continue to build that. Like hitters, you know, take small bites and the lowest hanging fruit, like rotational power, you know, the bat speeds the lowest hanging fruit at most levels of softball. Yep. Right. Just, yeah. You, like figure out on a daily basis a plan that's going to take you no more than 30 minutes right like throwing some med balls you know turning some sledgehammers like things that are going to make your trunk and your core strong that again those are not only going to pay off rotational and powerly but like timing wise you're going to get strong yeah. enough to to, to to hold your center of mass until you're ready to go yeah no, and, and you're 100%. I mean, there's so many, there's so much there that you just talked about that I wish people would think consciously about what, what they're doing and how they're training because <clears throat> I was a college athlete and I, I got injured a lot. I was a wrestler and that, wrestling is just common, but every injury you have to stop and then restart and your body yep. never had like the time to kind of just go and, uh, and feel good and, and get some consistency and workout patterns. Yeah. So really, I mean, there's more value in um, there's more value in, in staying healthy long term. And then once you get to a certain point, all right, hey, you're, you're in college or you're, you're a high level high school or college or whatever. All right. Now you can push your body a little bit more. But without a base built, you're just asking to get hurt and without efficient right. movement. And if you get hurt now, we're set back months, yep. six weeks. What it, it's like I've I've told our guys, girls, my daughter's going to be next. Look, don't put so much weight on the deadlift bar that yeah. you're going to hurt yourself. Because if you hurt yourself, we're going to be out. So funny story that one of the dads who I constantly go on son, it's like, hey, you know, let's just go up five pounds. Like, no, I know you could probably go up 25 pounds. I know you could probably go up 50 pounds. But let's stay on this, this, you know, five sets of five rep scheme where we're going up five pounds. It's simple. But over the long term, it's going to pay more dividends than if you go up and you try to, you know, punch out single single reps at 100% of your deadlift max once a week. So he calls me. They go in one Sunday without me. He calls me and says, you're going to kill me. I'm like, what would you do? Well, kid's name. He said he hurt it. He's hurt, he's hurt his back. I'm like, what did you do? <laughs> he got in there with a couple kids deadlift and he thought he could hang with them and he, he jumped in there and you know just too much weight too fast and hurt himself and i'm like 
you guys think I'm an asshole for getting on these kids all the time about this, <clears> but somebody's got to be because, again, now we're set back six weeks. And that's the worst thing that could happen. You know, when yes. I first, when I first came across driveline, you know, I don't know how long ago now. And you read the free, everybody got the free guide in the day, right? And one of the things that I remember in the free guide is like, was, was take your time in this because it's about if, if, if you get hurt now, you're set back. You know, that was right. basically the message. Like, take your time. Weighted balls are good, but if you try to, we still have that stigma with weighted balls. Everybody's like, we're thinking we're taking that 2,000 pound ball or 2,000 gram ball uh, and throwing it at maximum effort over and over and over again. It's like, you can be smart in this. Like you can right. make smart decisions with this, you know, and you can think differently. You know, I, I don't have any problem thinking differently because it doesn't bother me what I people say about what I do. But, right. you know, again, if it has some measured process. It's got some idea and thought behind it. I'm, I'm for it. Yeah. When we, you know, one thing that, I haven't touched on we our strength and conditioning program uh again attacking the lowest hanging fruit our trainer and our strength coach have done a great job of, of putting together a program that's 75 percent of the work is is movement prehab um kind of uh sports specific type movements and and then you know with the addition of that 25 percent of you know deadlift and you know and bench and you know, all the, all the kind yeah. of power, but we, we committed to staying healthy because we play about 60 games, anywhere from 50 to 60 games in about, you know, at most eight weeks. And so you got to be prepared. Your body's got to be prepared to kind of just work through that. So again, it, it's about staying healthy for me. I mean, it's, it's, it always has been. How about, we, how about managing fatigue, especially in season? <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's, how do you how do you as a coach recognize did you have any testing procedures that you did on a weekly or biweekly or whatever basis that you said hey like if you tested vertical jump or if you tested full grip strength or that you identified fatigue uh that way you can manage your monitor workload that way did you do no, anything you like that i mean that's a big thing in season but i try to drive home to our yeah. players is like look if you don't manage your fatigue you're going to have to do it because your coach is not going to do it for you your bat speed is going to be down let's call it 10 percent. your bat speed is down 10 percent. then your batted ball speed is down i don't know another percentage and if your batted ball speed is down that percentage you're not going to get the success you would have had otherwise spending all your time in this in this time training to get ready for this moment and now you're not managing maximizing yeah, no, you're 100% right. We we don't have anything in place, just like a lot of coaches. It, you know, uh, part of the reason that I think so many coaches get um, kind of go away from that stuff in season is just the time. I mean, you're spending all of your time in game prep. Sure, yep. Whatever. And so, you know, it, it's just – it's one of those things that I think baseball, you know, football, um, basketball are way ahead in. Um, especially in the pro sports, um, you'll see baseball. I'm a Brewers fan, so you'll see uh, right. Council does a great job of managing workload. You'll play basically two days on, one day off for a few weeks, and then all of a sudden you'll just see somebody shut down for a couple of days. And uh, 
you know, it's, it's interesting. It, what, so this is obviously COVID's been, been a major issue, but one thing that it's really illustrated is how um, a break can really, like a hitter can just go off after a break, you know, their body's yeah. healthy. It feels good. Um, <clears throat> you see it all the time coming off the IL um, in baseball where all of a sudden a hitter just is like, Oh man, I feel great. Um, I'm a Bucks fan as well. So you saw Giannis, uh, he yep. was hurt for a few days. Um, he was basically out for a seven day span of no activity and he just went right. off in the finals and everybody, he looked like he was operating at a hundred and everybody else was 80. Yep. And, and so it's I think funny because I tell this story, I tell this story about a kid we trained early on. I tell it often about this same thing. You know, he wanted a baseball player. He wanted to come in. He, you know, he wanted to do some velocity development. I was like, great, let's go. You know, we go four week on ramping, making sure we're building up and establishing a level of throwing fitness so that when we get to, to, to regular pull downs that we can handle it, yada, yada, yada. Goes through the four week on ramp, get to the first pull down. Velocity goes nowhere. Get to the second pull down. Velocity goes nowhere. And I, I'm thinking to myself, what, what are we doing wrong? And so I kind of roundaboutly get to the kid is, is staying up till two or three in the morning, playing video games or whatever, getting up at seven, going to school, and then coming in after school to train. That was kind of his deal. Well, he has his six, seven weeks into it. Uh, he has his wisdom teeth taken out on a Tuesday. We'll call it a Tuesday. So Tuesday he has his wisdom teeth taken out. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. He's basically like he's like basically in the bed for a week. I have never had my wisdom teeth taken out. But that's been my experience with people. Is like they're down. Yeah. He comes in Tuesday, the next Tuesday, which I think at that time was our pull down day. He's like, or maybe he came back the Monday. We kind of threw a little bit and on Tuesday, came back in. He's like, hey, you want me to pull down today? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I think we'll be all right. Like, all of a sudden, that day, his velo's up like eight, nine miles an hour. And I'm like, do you realize what just happened? He's like, no, that was awesome. I'm like, what What did you do last week? He's like, nothing. I slept a lot. And I'm like, there you go. Okay, you can't stay up till three in the morning and get up at seven and go to school, sleep four hours and come in here and do anything. And so, yeah, rest. But then it's like, from the hitter side, it's like, they think they've got to take two or 300 swings every day. Yeah. And it's like, or, you know, we started with our, with our, so I, it's interesting. I've got this one homeschool kid who basically I get to handle everything. Like his dad kind of runs the team he plays on. And so like we can manage his entire workload. And so, we started, his velo started to, to drag. And I'm like, we bought, we had the grip strength tester. So like his forearm fatigue was like off the charts. We started wrapping his deadlifts during the season, just rip rat, you know, taking some of the load off of his forearms, holding weight, throwing, hitting. And all of a sudden as his, as his forearms start to recover, you know, his grip strength starts to go back up. The velo ticked up, eggs the velo ticked up, like, just simple things like that, just knowing what your fatigue markers are, you know? Right. Yeah. And then it's hard, but it is hard, you know, for a coach that's managing a whole team, things like that sometimes fall through the cracks. You know, you have sure. to maybe have system in place where players are responsible for those things. Yeah. Simply, honestly, like you study sleep, 
you know, when you study, especially at the college level and you study strength, uh, you know, most programs have a strength program in place and you start to see dips or things like that, you know, with all the metrics you have, you put a blast sensor on somebody. If you see a, you know, if you see somebody down um, in their average pretty consistently, that that's a great, you know, it's telling you exactly what's happening. I mean, it's, it, there's right. too much, there's too much technology available right now to not, and, and, you know, it's one of those things that we, we feel like we're pretty far ahead, but we look at these, these types of things and we're saying like, man, we, we have so far to go, um, in, in terms of just all of this stuff. And it's, it's right. Just trying to figure out what, what, what works best for your team and how you can implement it, you know, and, and make it kind of the norm. For sure. And, and again, just, again, we're back and forth. This is that, that would be if I were in charge of, of college players in a program where rest, number one, would be that's how we're going to get your bat speed back. Right. So let's just go on like just a VR pitch recognition timing. So you're getting that, that activity, but at, at a much lower like stress level on your body, on your forearms, right? Because you don't, you don't have to hit that many balls. Yeah. You don't have to hit that much. Not when you have established skills. When you right. don't. It comes down to timing, information processing, variability. While you're not getting the variability, adaptability aspect in a VR, you're getting all the other things. Yeah. I mean, the only but thing again, it, goes, would... it goes back to if it doesn't burn, it's not working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So right. If the I'm only... not sweating, I must not be getting better. And it's like, ah, I don't know about that. Here, here's what I, you know, we 60 to 80 swings is kind of our sweet spot in a day <clears throat> for us. That takes about 30 minutes. That's why we can be so efficient <clears throat> because after that, what we see is just, just an intent decrease. You just, I mean, the intent goes down and you're kind of like, okay, um, you know, what's the purpose now? What are we doing anymore? Yeah, because, what's, what's, what are we doing now? Yeah. Right. Once we get into a game, <clears throat> the goal is intent. I mean, you want to, every swing you get off, even if, it, if it's only three, four swings and a double header, we want to have that max intent, you know, we want to put everything into it. Um, so I don't know, again, it's, it's the way we built it. I'm not saying it's exactly right or whatever, but, um, I think the, well, the I think in the game too, and, and you know, this, it, it, it depends upon which target you're shooting at. You know, if your goal is to just get hits, then good grief, you're going to be on an emotional roller coaster for one and right. for two, it's just not obtainable. Like the goal of yours at bat every time you go up can't be to get a hit you know it, it has to be my daughter i'll use my daughter's example and i've tried to drive this back to her home i don't care if you get hits i'd like for you to be on time a lot i'd like to see you swing with purpose and intent all the time two strike counts especially right now you're not going to be in any situation that matters right now where that run on third base means anything yeah so let's get three healthy swings at pitches we can hit, hopefully. But yep. like if you I'd rather you swing in a bad pitch. I'd rather you have your 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 you know your you swing towards I swung at more bad pitches than I, I took good pitches. Right? If you go the other way and I took some good pitches but I swung at no bad pitches, it's like that wasn't that beneficial. Like you took right. good pitches. You know, swing at some bad ones from time to time. And that's kind of what we shoot at. That's kind of yeah. what we shoot at over and over and over again. That's the purpose of our at bats. If she strikes out on Saturday with maybe the winner run on second base, again on time, swung hard, 
got a tough pitch, maybe a bad call that she took, and then swings at strike three on time, purposeful intention. I don't care. Like, I couldn't care less. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't have any care at all. Yeah. I 100% agree. I mean, that's going to, that mentality is going to lead to good things long term. <clears throat> for sure. For sure. You got anything else? You got anything else? You got any curiosities you're working on? Let me ask you this. I forgot to ask Rusty this. If you could snap your fingers, Thanos style, and vanish anything in the softball world, what would be the one thing? Vanish anything in the softball world. You can, yep. Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> snap your fingers one thing it's gone yeah i mean well, i would say i would say over uh overuse of pitchers and kind of um like romanticizing the overuse of pitching like right 800 pitches in a, in a weekend awesome great job everybody celebrates it's like mm, that's not great that's what i'm I would say. not sure about that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that would i think the trickle down for that would would lead to more pitchers and more intent and you know anyways sure. i think you know, especially again, you can go back and use my daughter's example, especially at the level my daughter's at. Everybody should be trying to pitch. Yeah, you know, like we need to have a way and a system to to let them all pitch. Yeah, you know, because the tournament, I get it, I do, I got it. Like sometimes the tournament environment doesn't lend itself to letting everyone pitch. Yeah, I got that. You know, you yep. want to go out there and you and you want to win some of these games for sure. Like, got it. But we got to find a way to find a balance for that. Yeah. Coming coming up here, we've got Iowa State. 800 pitches is not it. No. We've got Iowa State <laughs> Tournament. We've got uh, Alliance. We've got PGF Nationals. And I can guarantee that uh, you won't see more than one or two pitchers per team in, you know, in a many games in a week. And that's that's scary. So, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. People are like, it's less stressful. I'm like. It's still pretty darn stressful. Yeah. It's, it's still natural. stressful. Ask the pitchers <laughs> that were told that when they were younger that are in their 30s now and see see where their bodies are at, you know? Yeah, it's definitely – well, I don't know. That's a good point because I don't know a lot of those. Sure. So you probably run across more of those than <clears throat> I do. I yeah. am I'm just a guy with crazy ideas and try to apply them. I don't have a lot of background in softball. I don't know a ton of people. So anyway, man, I'll let you go. All right, man. I'll let you go. We'll try to keep these to an hour. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Sure. I'll probably think of about 12 things after I done this that I should have asked you because we just get talking and wherever the subjects go, the subjects go. We'll do a uh, we'll do a uh, question and answer on Twitter or something like that. Whatever works, just back and forth. See how much for sure more people that are interested. <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, dude. Take care. Good luck right. to you. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. See you. Yeah,